Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn about preparing your hardware startup for complex manufacturing from a 17-year manufacturing engineering expert. This is the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in hardware product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Mako, the leading expert on product development for hardware startups. Welcome back, everyone. I'm very excited to introduce Nikhil Joshi to the show. Nikhil is the founder of SNIC Solutions, a company he's run for 17 years helping scale product manufacturing operations. He has worked with almost 150 factories across 12 countries. Today, Nikhil will share valuable knowledge from vendor startups and small manufacturers on how manufacturing has changed, the opportunities that exist, and how to ensure you properly plan for complex manufacturing as a hardware startup. Now, on to the episode. This show is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at macodesign.com. Now, on to the episode. Hi, Nikhil. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for having me. Well, we're excited today to talk to you about manufacturing. Now, as a hardware startup, whether you're at the very early phases of ideation or further along into design for manufacturing or even getting into manufacturing, at the end of the day, you've got to sell product. And in order to sell product, you've got to manufacture product to sell. So I'm looking forward to having you on the show today to talk about some of the best practices that hardware startups can think about and can plan ahead for as they migrate from design through to manufacturing and then from manufacturing to scale. So before we jump into all these good things in and around the manufacturing question, just give us a bit of a background, how you became the success story that you are today. I started off as an industrial engineer on the shop floor in factories when I started the company. I was just 22 then, and I worked my way up uh, doing uh, projects in the manufacturing plants and factories. And as I went further, I could see that a lot of technology could be implemented in uh, manufacturing plants and operations was my forte. So I kind of pivoted from being an industrial engineer more to starting to solve information efficiency problems in manufacturing as to how information could pass faster between people and how overall manufacturing efficiency could be improved in factories. And that's what we do. We implement manufacturing software in the operation space. And I've pretty much been doing that for the last 17 years now. Wow, 17 years and worked with hundreds of factories, seeing it from the shop floor all the way up to these large systems that manage information between all these key stakeholders at massive manufacturing plants and everything in between. So what better person today than to talk about some of those manufacturing tips and tricks that you've seen, especially for hardware startups as they're getting into the world of manufacturing. So let's start big picture. Just give us a high level of what it means in terms of manufacturing operations or manufacturing efficiency, et cetera. Sure. Well, we had to start that manufacturing is no more the way it was 30 years ago or even 10 years ago, right? So, and the biggest difference is the batch size. If you went 30 years before the jacket that you're wearing, somebody would be making a million of those same color, you know, no difference. But fast forward to today, There are factories who just want to make five of them or maybe one of them. The whole market is going more to that people want very custom tailored products which are meant for them. There's personalization. And that kind of creates a very big manufacturing problem on the operations side, right? You are no more producing 
uh, or doing mass manufacturing, like how we had the car plants of the day many years ago, producing the same kind of cars, you're pretty much more in a zone where you're trying to do less, but at the same time, you are also trying to be efficient. And the third aspect is that you're no more making one product, right? You might still be making a car, but there are so many variations of cars you're making, or you might be making a hardware product, but you're making so many variations of it that when it goes to the factory, it's no more that you're making five products, you're making 5,000 products. And that creates an additional complexity on the shop floor that, hey, how do I manage so many things at the same time be profitable? So that's like the big picture, Kevin, as if I was explaining to you, like, you know, as a layman. Well, it's really interesting that you brought that up. And I like how you opened how manufacturing has really changed. I'm sure a lot of listeners are hearing the opportunity in that. So it's kind of the gift and the curse. On one hand, yes, with the customization and the desire of the market, essentially end users are requiring products that more suit them specifically. Whatever that opportunity is or that pain point is, they want it solved directly. They don't want something somewhat solving it. They want it solving it right on the button. Now, on the flip side, that creates complexities in manufacturing, but absolutely, especially for hardware startups out there, we talk a lot about it on the show, especially as an early stage company, typically lower funding than the big companies, less resources, less information, et cetera. It's amazing to go after a very tight niche. So something which is underserviced maybe by the big competitors in the market, and you focus on that and do a really good job, and it may have less volume than the competitors, but you're hitting a specific customer base that needs exactly what you want. And you can do that very well as a startup because you're focusing on one version of the product. Now, as you get into the market and start to scale, you start to find other opportunities, other segmentation, a whole variety of different opportunities for both your product and the product business, the product business's brand that you can scale and grow. Now, with that comes challenges in manufacturing. So the next question is, we've talked a lot about the show about the opportunity of being very specific and really nailing it to the customers. But I want to talk with you today about the other side, which is, well, how do you actually produce that? How do you plan to manufacture that? How do you do that smart so that you're not trying to play catch up to your demand? You're thinking about this ahead of those potential challenges. Yeah. So customization and personalization should not be confused with, hey, you know, you're going to produce less and thereby, you know, the price of the product is going to be very high. That's not a scalable structure. And the amount of manufacturing operations, automation that you would put in, the cost benefit is not going to work. The challenge most manufacturers that we are seeing today are having is I want to give personalization and customization, but at the same time, I also want to scale. So the third element of business model as to what is the kind of business model that you adopt also comes into picture. So you see many manufacturing companies in the past have been more like B2B. They would supply to another large manufacturer, to another business. But a lot of manufacturers are realizing that, hey, my customer is actually the end consumer. Think of a bicycle, right? Earlier, a bicycle manufacturer would go and their customer was actually a franchise owner. But today, the same bicycle manufacturer wants to talk directly to the guy who is buying the bike, who's riding the bike, and they want to understand from them that, hey, what do you need? Now, this aspect brings the need for business model transformation, but the impact that is this has on the factory operations is that you need to be more agile. 
you need to be more flexible and you need to give what the end customer wants when he wants, but also at the right price. So suddenly you have this massive explosion of complexity that now you're throwing at manufacturing operations and it's no more basically a simpler problem to solve like it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's why it's key as well, especially as a hardware startup to really consider, be careful with feature creep or too much customization or trying to make too many products too quick for too many people. So the inverse side is be careful with your growth, but also seize the opportunity when it comes, have a healthy balance between those two aspects. And if you are going to increase your complexity, make sure you're planning ahead. And let's jump into what that looks like, because I know you're a big advocate of using software and technology in order to really improve the ability to be complicated and to hit more types of customers while also allowing you to scale. So high level, what is the manufacturer looking to change, right? Like to in order to serve their customers better. And if you think of your listeners, whether they are people who are startups, who are building basically hardware products, et cetera, essentially on the manufacturing side, you want the manufacturing operations to ensure that you are not reducing your speed. So what you're looking for is very fast and you're looking for agility, but at the same time, you're also looking for efficiency. So it's a combination of speed, agility, and efficiency that you're looking for. And that's what manufacturing operations today is all about, where every manufacturing shop floor or people who are thinking of also getting into manufacturing or who are at the design stage and saying that we are going to eventually manufacture our products, they are saying that, well, how do I get that agility, flexibility, speed, and efficiency? And those who don't know automatically would leave that to let's say a contract manufacturer that I don't care how you run the operations, but I need these many pieces on this day at this time. So there is that aspect of larger companies where if your strength is, let's say, design and engineering, you're pretty much going to outsource speed, agility, and flexibility. And as you go in and become more matured, you can say, okay, you know, can I bring that? But the biggest advantage companies are having today are those who are able to do design, engineering, operations, and customer service all together and break those silos and then directly work with the customer and asking that, hey, what do you want? And then kind of being agile, fast, as well as efficient across all these aspects and just not manufacturing operations. So it's a big picture agility, but then you also basically translate it down whether it is to design, whether it's to operations, whether it's to engineering, any part of your function. I love how you put that together because you're really thinking about that full cycle feedback loop. And from a design firm's perspective, that's amazing because as a hardware company scales, they start to get really important information, especially from their first few products off the line in the market with real customers that have paid for them. Now you get some really interesting information. You start to get what they don't like, you start to get what they love, and you start to get what they think could be added or improved or removed from the product in order to service maybe another group of people or maybe to grow or whatever else. That feedback, you can start incorporating back into the design process. And if, as you mentioned, you've got really good seamless integration between your customers all the way through to your production house, the more seamless that information can be and the more you're actually thinking about it consciously as the founder the better that flow of information is going to be and the more you're going to be likely to really take that feedback and incorporate it the right way into a good quality product. And as you mentioned, if you build in those efficiencies as well, you're going to have a great product customers want that's also built at a fair price. 
And that can really help, especially at the scale level of a company going from a one SKU product, their first version of the product, to figure out how they're going to expand. Maybe it's a higher quality version, maybe it's accessories, maybe it's just different versions for different geographies or markets, but there will be an expansion profile. And the more customers that you get, the more you're going to start learning about what those potential expansion opportunities might be. Oh, absolutely. So talk a bit about how the actual technology and how information technology is best woven between everywhere from design through to your end customer. Yeah, so that that's where traditionally everybody, including us not so many years ago, uh, have been working in silos, right? So we were very good at putting technology in the factory. You've been very good at adopting technology, for example, on the design and engineering side, et cetera. Now, there's one aspect of bringing all of this together, as you just said, that you know it all has to come together. But particularly for companies who are starting off, what we are seeing is that you can tremendously bring down lead times, either to put up a new factory or to start operations to scale if you think of manufacturing operations at the design level. Traditionally, we have seen that anybody in product design goes up to engineering. So they're thinking of design, but they're also thinking of engineering. But then the moment they actually go on the factory floor and try to implement, you see this whole host of problems that are coming, which are just making the whole thing inefficient. And sure, you can buffer that in your product cost, but just imagine that if you could reduce that buffer, then the kind of advantage or the competitive advantage it gives you is massive. That's something that I am really encouraging startups that we are working with to incorporate. Some of the massive visionary startups that we are working with, they are realizing this and they are saying, we're just going to bring all the tech stack together, whether it is from design, engineering, operations. And essentially, from day one, we would be a digital company rather than doing half the things on paper, half the things in software, have the things in our mind. We just don't want to do that. And it's also relating, Kevin, to the talent shortage, right? Like we have a very big problem when it comes to manufacturing in terms of talent. So you don't want a case where you're doing things basically in a traditional old way and you already have less resources. And when it comes to transform or when it comes to adopt automation, new age stuff, now you are pretty much taking a lot more time in order to cross the bridge, it just slows you down tremendously. And one of the things that startups don't want to do, or initial companies don't want to do, is that they don't want to be slow because they are also trying to compete with the big giants out there. Love how you mentioned that. Speed to market and thinking about manufacturing early. One of the big things that is critically important in design, one of the main mottos of macro design in industrial design, mechanical engineering, prototyping, and on to production is thinking about what we call DFM, design for manufacturing, extremely early in the process, even into your first CAD models, even using the same software that you're going to be using and flowing those CAD models through into prototyping, into manufacturing, and then bringing manufacturing engineering, manufacturing logic into the process in design as you're going through design and into different rounds and scales of prototyping more and more manufacturing logic and advisory and actual manufacturing engineering needs to be put into those designs, into those prototypes, into even the tests of those prototypes to ensure that once you get to that point of manufacturing, you've done most of the heavy lifting. It's already largely built, designed, engineered to then be produced. 
So you hear these horror stories of going between prototype and spending years to then get into production. Well, that's because you designed entirely for just some pretty looking prototype and you completely ignored how you're actually going to produce that prototype. Remember, at the end of the day, you're not actually designing a product. Yeah. You're designing something to be manufactured. That is the only way that a hardware company is going to make money on parts that are sold and produced. So bringing that logic earlier into the process will certainly maybe add a little bit of heavy lift in terms of cost or upfront engineering or time or money, et cetera. But that a little bit upfront is going to save you a heck of a lot of headache downstream. And I think if we can combine the efficiencies of great design with the efficiencies of design for manufacturing, as well as working with manufacturers who are good at working on new products and understand the nuances that every new product has, you put all that package together, like you said, put the tech stack all into one room, let them solve the problems together. And that smooths out a number of those processes, including time to market. But it's not just time to market. It's the quality of the product, the reliability of the product, which leads to the amount of quality feedback that you get, turn rates, everything smooths out. If you can think a little bit more advanced, do a little bit more quality upfront, so that you have to do significantly less and make significantly less mistakes downstream. As an industrial engineer, when I go in factories, a lot of people ask me that, given that I've seen the design engineering side as well as the operations side, when we say that, hey, you know, if everything can be really engineered, what, what is really the difference then, you know, in manufacturing operations? And I tell them is that, look, you're going to be able to really design the plant. You're going to be able to design the manufacturing processes, et cetera, right? And that's all engineering, right? You're also going to be able to design how the product is going to behave, where it is going to go. What is missing out is that when you go on the manufacturing operations side, okay, what is getting added is, okay, how are your raw materials going to come in if you're producing 50 different parts on the same line? Have you taken all those parts into account and the biggest spoiler is basically demand. Let's say if the demand increases 10x, how is the manufacturing operations going to respond? How's the supply chain going to respond? These aspects basically come as part of uh, manufacturing operations, whether it's scheduling, whether it is feedback from the shop floor uh, uh, to engineering, or whether it is a compliance, right? Like if you see medical device factories that we visit, there's this huge aspect of compliance. You have to do it. And that's when you get to know that, oh, you know, I have to be compliant in these 30 things. That's great. And talk a bit about the software that you guys are building to do this whole integrated uh, system. As a company, SNIC Solutions, we call it SNIC Solutions. It just sounds cooler. Our customers <laughs> call it. Uh, as a company, we are solution providers where we use OEM platforms from uh, Siemens and Rockwell. And these platforms are pretty much made to connect large aspects of manufacturing operations. They pretty much cover the entire portfolio. So we resell them, we implement them, but then we have a lot of intellectual property that we've built on top of that, which allows adoption of these platforms basically very quickly. So if you took the vanilla version, it would basically you know, take you longer than what it would take with uh, some of the integration capabilities that we've built. Essentially, that's what we take to manufacturers. But from an output standpoint, we are pretty much improving or just in layman terms, we're just making every day better in manufacturing operations, whether it's efficiency, flexibility, agility, all of those are uh, caveats of just making everything better every day. Powerful stuff. What's the website for folks that want to learn more about what you're doing? 
It's uh, sniksolutions.com. That's sniccolutions.com. You'll find us everywhere. Perfect. I appreciate it. And as always, I'll put the links in the show notes below for anyone who wants to click through. Uh, Nikhil, much appreciated for all your wisdom today on manufacturing, especially for emerging hardware startups that they're planning to both manufacture and scale into a global brand. Thanks again for being on the show and we'll talk again soon. Sure. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Thanks and take care. You too. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and hit the like button and subscribe. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Mako, North America's leading expert on product development for hardware startups. And the podcast is produced by Mako Design, the original firm providing end-to-end consumer product development services tailored specifically to hardware startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Take your product from idea to store shelves at macodesign.com. That's M-A-K-O design.com. Thanks for joining and see you again soon.